Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We made it. We're in the meat of the Flyers offseason. Expansion draft week. NHL entry draft week. And the Flyers have made a move. Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. Episode 82 of Orange and Back Check. And man, has this been a couple of weeks, couple of days here for the Flyers. Uh, Ryan Ellis, Ellis is a Flyer. Nolan Patrick and Philip Myers are gone. One is now in Columbus, or excuse me, in Nashville. One is in uh, Vegas partying it up. And uh, my God, I, I I can't say it enough. Ryan Ellis is a flyer, Scott. I, I I mean, this has been a we were looking for that juice that 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 spark to this off season of what it could be. Now Ryan Ellis doesn't jump off the page, but for Flyers fans who may have heard the name and are just looking into him and are, are going to hear about him in a second here, like. You should be very excited for a guy like Ryan Ellis. Like you look at the age and 30 there. He's he's my age. Who's, and you're just like, okay, 30 year old. You gave up on Philip Myers. You gave up on Nolan Patrick, but they were unknown. Not, not unknowns. I think we knew what they were. They weren't going to pan out here, especially Nolan Patrick. Uh, it's just exciting to see that you have an established defenseman now. Uh, there's obviously a couple of injury concerns. He missed a couple of games the last couple of seasons uh, in with injury, but, Overall, good on uh, Chuck Fletcher to finally do this. I mean, this is what we've been waiting for to a degree, and it's nice to see that something is actually in the Philadelphia Flyers' favor here. Uh, I'd say a very similar history lesson. Back in 2000 and, um, 2007, uh, the Flyers traded, I don't know, I think it might have been a second-round pick for the rights to Kimo Timonen and the rights to Scott Hartnell. Mm-hmm. This is the closest thing to that kind of trade that I've seen. I'd say if anybody is going to compare with Ryan Ellis and they don't know who he is, look at Kimo Timonen. If you remember Kimo Timonen, that's pretty much the exact same player that you're getting right now in Ryan Ellis. Yeah. I think it's great that they, you know, we, we speculated a lot about Seth Jones, about other defensemen that might be available. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea that Ryan Ellis would be available and, and not for the package that they wound up flipping him for. I, I, I was actually, when I saw the trade, I was like, wait, that's it. That's all they gave up for. Right. I thought I had the same uh, thought. Like it, it seems like you would think like if we, what well, we were speculating for this uh, potential Seth Jones trade sounded like a lot, but it was worth it in the end because of what uh, Seth Jones brings to the table. Ryan Ellis, if, if Seth Jones is a one, a one B player, similar to Ivan Provorov, Ellis is a one C two in my eyes. And for, to get that package for him, 
it's a it's not robbery, but it's a it, it's a win win for all, all the teams in my eyes. Well, you look at it this way. I think that if you're going for Seth Jones, you're going to have to sell the house to get him because, mm-hmm. you know, the thing is that that they had made a, they had there have been things rumbling around that, you know, there were talks that were happening, but. Seth Jones is not committing to signing a deal. And I don't think yep. any team's going to trade for him if they're going to get him on a one-year deal without actually making sure it's a sign and trade without giving up that stuff. So the price on him is going to go down. I think a target, if you ask me, might have been the Dougie Hamilton route because of his offensive ability. Yep. And I think if that's the case where Seth Jones wasn't available, that's where your eyes were. Now, you had a guy here who signed an eight-year, con- eight-year $50 million contract two years ago, and now you're getting him with four years, or six years left on his deal at six and a quarter million of a cap hit each year for a guy who is considered while he's not a star per se, considered one of the most, one of the elite defensemen in the NHL. I think that's absolutely fantastic. You're able to pull this off. And for what you flipped him for, for struggling Phil Myers, who has shown flashes of brilliance, but other times you see him on the game where he's responsible for six goals when you give up nine of them against the Rangers this year. Nolan Patrick, uh, sorry, look, I, I know a lot of people are high on him and they're making comparisons. This could be Patrick Sharp part two. Uh, I look at this and say the guy was minus 30 last year. Like yeah, you're, you're, it was you're, awful. At some point, you just got to say, you know what? There's some value there. And Nashville, while they while they they flipped them to get Ryan Ellis, they went up flipping him right away to Vegas for Cody Glass. So they weren't even truly high on him. So now that Nolan yeah. Patrick's back with um, his former coach from the Brandon Wee Kings at Kelly McCrimmon, um, now he's going to have an ability to kind of restart his career a little bit there yeah good for him but it wasn't going to work out here and now you got exactly what you need without really giving up anything and you have the cap space to work with and you're going to lose somebody in expansion that's going to cost you you know save you some money on the cap so that'll give you time to get carter hart's deal done look this is a great start to the offseason for chuck fletcher who got ridiculed a lot over the past few weeks, especially with with Zach Parise and Ryan Suter being bought out last week. Yeah. Um, He, you know, for signing those deals, that's more of a Craig Leopold ownership type thing, but it's not fully don't chuck, but still you look at this and say, okay, this is, this is, this is a big, this is a big balls move. Like you we talk about big balls, Chip Kelly, this is a big ball yeah. move. You, you gave up nothing to get a really solid defenseman, something that you need. You addressed your biggest gaping hole right there and you didn't give up much to get him. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. So uh, kudos to Chuck. What, what a, what a trade this is. And I, I really think what happened was <clears throat> you heard Chuck in the, at the end of the season press conference say that a lot of the prospects or the young guys, the young core, either plateaued or regressed in this particular season. And they did. I don't think many people can say that they, they didn't, anyone stood out and, and forward their careers or uh, expanded their skills from what it was two years ago or whatever. So it was pretty evident that he was going to cut loose some of these young players. I didn't expect it to be both Nolan Patrick and Philip Myers, but when you look at it, it makes sense. You have a struggling goalie uh, coming off a, you have a, a goalie that's struggling coming off a struggling year in Carter Hart and you have to get, and most of that. And I think most people will agree. And you, I, you and I have talked about this endlessly on end throughout the season and in the off season, Carter Hart's uh, faults were not all on him. Like he yeah. let up some bad goals. Yes. 
but the blue line and the forechecking was atrocious last year from top to bottom. So to get a veteran presence, presence like Ryan Ellis into this locker room to maybe right the ship with Ivan Provorov if you pair him with him, I think there's more moves to be made. I don't think this is the last of it for, for certain with Chuck Fletcher, so I think this is just the first shoe to drop. You're going to see what happens on Wednesday night in the expansion draft because I think there's some moves to be made. Now, with the Flyers, maybe not. I think they're kind of forcing uh, Seattle's hand in this with who they want them to take. We'll get that, that into that in just a moment here. But like th- the fact that they're solidifying the blue line, not just for their own, uh, not just for themselves, for the blue line, but for also for Carter Hart, because you need Carter Hart to rebound. If Carter Hart doesn't rebound, then you have to have, st- have to have start having conversations of what happens next season and beyond. There's already been reports that they're, floating the idea i think there's more chance than not that they get rid of that 13th round uh 13th overall pick in the first round in the entry level entry entry uh level draft but if they do keep it there's a chance they take a goalie that doesn't mean that that goalie's going to come in they floated that idea i've read like is it going to happen i don't know like i think it's more of a maybe clickbait and i fell for it but the fact i would say so the fact that you got ryan ellis here and Carter Hart should be a lot happier than he was 36 hours ago or 48 hours ago. That's what matters. You have a 22 yeah. year old kid and you solidified your blue line. Carter Hart should be ecstatic right now. And I'm, I'm happy for the kid. Not just Carter Hart, but think of it this way. You basically upgraded over Matt Niskanen. You upgraded yeah. over Matt Niskanen. He's not a Matt Niskanen. It was not on the same level as, as Ryan Ellis. Now, listen, there are some things to be cautious about. He's had some shoulder problems, you know, uh, you know, there with, with some injuries there overall, he's been solid, but hopefully, hopefully he can stay healthy. And if he stays healthy, this would be a home run for the flyers, uh, you know, considering what would pay attention to Phil Myers and, and Nolan Patrick. But this is, this is one of those types of deals where you can't say, Oh, well, Nolan Patrick could be really good in a couple of years. Uh, Phil Myers could be really good in a couple of years. You need to look at this from a right now perspective right now. This makes yeah. the Flyers much better. And right now the Flyers are not in a position of, we have a couple of years. They have right. to be in a win now mode. If not a win today mode, right? Like, like it's one of those things where I don't expect them to be contenders this season, but over the next two to three seasons, I expect them to be contenders for the cup. I think they're a playoff team now. I know. I think they're going to be a, a playoff team this year, depending on how everything else shakes out, who does develop, who is drafted, who, well, who is taken in, in who is drafted in the expansion draft, what trades or else are, are, are to be had. But right now I think the pl- flyers are back to being a playoff team. They were a playoff team last year who just crapped the bed. So contendership is a different story, I think. I think, but for the most part, I think Chuck Fletcher is playing the right notes right now. I think any any NHL manager will tell you that any NHL GM will tell you that the postseason is mostly about luck. So you can build the okay. best team yeah. you have, and then it's mainly about luck. I mean, let's be look at Montreal. Like, did Montreal have any right getting to the Stanley Cup final this year? No, Probably I mean they just not. got yeah, they were the hottest team at the time and they, yes. they 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 did what they had to do. Bingo. And that's the thing is that you know you have a solid team built like the Tampa Bay Lightning who are expected to be there, but still going and doing that and running it back for a second year in a row, that's a really hard thing to do. Sure. So I wouldn't look at it as if they're contenders. It's a matter of how well can this team gel together this upcoming season. With Ryan Ellis, you're you're solidifying your back end because listen, if 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 the expansion draft where both Justin Braun and um, Justin Braun, Robert Haig, and uh, and Ghost are all exposed. So if with their if you don't you don't lose any of them, 
you really upgraded your back end because you don't have to plug and play in that two in that two D role where now you have Pro Ravanelis as your expected top uh, D pair, and then you probably have Sandheim. I would say Cam York, that probably puts a little bit because Cam York is a little more well-rounded since he played through college. A lot of those guys, that's where they get the development instead of in the AHL. So Cam York could probably be a full-time NHL this year. And that would be a very good thing for the Flyers if he can come in and slot right into that second pairing. And then on your third pairing, you have like Braun, Ghost. Hey, you can you can mix and match that as you're sit with your six and seven, or if you get a depth player in here that can play a six or seven D. Um, if they find somebody and target somebody in free agency, not not named Nate Prosser, uh, that would be um, <laughs> that that would be very beneficial for them as well. So there's a lot of good things where the Flyers significantly upgraded their defense instead of having a gaping hole which could not be filled by anybody last year. You plug that hole, and now you have more flexibility in your bottom two pairs. So uh, this adds a great deal to, of of depth to that defensive core. And also it makes it exciting that, hey, look, you know, the Flyers are realized that they need to make some big moves. I mean, this is a big, big move. You you know, looking at this from afar, you would ask me this. I know Ryan Ellis was kicked around at the deadline, but you look at it, it's like, the guy just signed a contract. Nashville's not going to give up on a guy. They have six years left on their deal. Like, you just don't do it. It's one of your, you know, they have Roman Yossi. They have Matias Ekholm. They have, you know, they have a core a group of guys and now they gave up on one of them, so to speak, for whatever I, reason. I, 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 didn't, I haven't looked at Nashville's protection list. But I'm, I'm curious if that was a factor, maybe. Like, they just ha- didn't feel – they thought they were going to lose him. They didn't feel like protecting him. It was well, one of those – Well, they protected weird... Matias Ekholm. So, right, probably that... so. They On D, they had they protected Phil Myers, obviously. They protected Roman Yossi and uh, Matias Ekholm. And then Dante Fabro as well. Okay, so, so they detect, so, they 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 protected a few days. So, I mean, the Flyers they could have protected Phil Myers if he was here. Yeah. Um. But I mean, you just you really upgrade. And the thing is, you look at it too. Like Phil Myers, like you're gonna say, oh, Phil Myers got better. He got traded from the Flyers. Well, it depends on how Nashville's using them. Like yeah. Nashville might use them as a more of a a, a four five rather than a than a two three. I mean, look, what, what, what I think a lot of people, not just Flyers fans, I, I'm sure Nashville's talking about this. If we were to listen to a Nashville Predators podcast or, or a radio that talks hockey, like I think this misconception is that you have to have a loser and a winner in every trade. Most trades consist of two teams that are looking to unload an asset that they don't see value in their own organization Correct. anymore. Correct. So Nashville did not see organ- value anymore in Ryan Ellis, just like the Flyers didn't see value in Nolan Patrick and Philip Myers anymore. Like mm-hmm. it, it's one of these things where, yes, there is a chance that Nolan Patrick becomes a Patrick Sharp. It's I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's a less than 50% chance, less than 25% chance. But let's say it does. Let's just say it does. If it does, it was never going to happen here. It, it like that. That's how things and they have are, enough prospects to work around it. Exactly. They don't have the prospect. They have, they they're higher on Morgan Frost, obviously. And they are Nolan Patrick. Look at the and end of the day, be. Nolan Patrick fell into your hands. Like that was yeah. not supposed to happen. And the fact that you're able to get a top D and flip him it, it, to me, that's defense is it, it's, it's very hard to find top level defensemen in this league. And the fact that you basically got a free second overall draft pick, yeah. Or, you know, and, and, and a draft a couple of years ago, and then you turn around and you're able to flip that asset to get a good, a glaring hole for very little cost. I mean, and Nashville even wind up flipping them to get what they wanted out of the deal instead. So, 
uh, to me, this is a an absolutely wonderful thing. And even more so is that you're like you mentioned before, I don't think they're done yet because the expansion draft coming up is going to place a huge hole. I mean, because go back to Nashville. I think Nashville for them, it's cap relief. I mean, they I think Phil Myers's contractors around uh, three, three and a half million. I have to look at cap friendly, but um, I know that. Let's see. Then they move Ryan Ellis over six two five. I'll look into that for a second. But you know, you look at you look at this, and you see that they get a lot of uh, uh, cap relief now, and that's a huge asset for them because they have another guy who's a bloated contract, Matthew Shane, who didn't play that well last year and a lot of money. Yeah. And he, you know, they're he he's unprotected. So going back to the Flyers with Jake being unprotected, with JVR now being unprotected and ghost being unprotected, you got a lot of money there where you're basically forcing their hand. And, and granted, there's a lot of other guys who are unprotected as well, uh, such as uh, Andy Andrioff. Some these are age guys like Connor Bunneman, David Kasha, uh, Sam Moran, you know, but the big names are JVR, Jake Voracek and Justin Braun, Shane Gostas bear. I'll even throw Robert Hagen there. Um, because he's, he's, you know, moderately most of the time an NHLer. you have a lot of guys out there that are going to take a decent number off your, off your books, which you can now play around with. So yeah, for instance, like the flyers have Jake claimed then, despite the fact that Tarasenko's had shoulder injuries, you're all of a sudden in the running for him. You're all of a sudden in the running where you can go get a Johnny Gaudreau. You could, you could do a lot more up front if one of those big contracts are out the door. So knowing it's Hackstall, Jake might be an option there. Maybe even JVR, maybe even Ghost. So you have a guys there who are making good coin where you're going to have some flexibility there now to, to hopefully make some moves and even improve this team even further. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people anticipated. I think you and I did too until we really thought about it more. Bill Myers is two and a half million. So they okay. say four, $4 million in cap space per year. And he's on, he's in. They have his rights still after that because he has yeah, he still be a UFA. So he's got two years left at two point five five million. So, so I, good for Nashville to see yeah. four million on the cap. That's where your value's at. So as soon as we saw this uh, this trade happen, our immediate thought went to the expansion list for the Flyers in particular, and just saying, oh, this just means they'll protect JVR and expo and expose uh, everyone else, like. Because JVR is that guy that you can you can live without. You kind of want him. You can you can live with him, and you can't live without. And you can live without him. Like it's one of those deals. I would prefer JVR be on this team for next season. That's just my opinion. But as soon as they said that they're still exposing him, it kind of t- made you reset and think about it. But then because they decided to pr- protect Kubel, obey Kubel, which is an interesting name because I think there's a little to no shot of him even being drafted if he was exposed. But the fact that they decided to protect him uh, just kind of forces Seattle's hand, which is smart on Chuck's part. As you were saying, they have bloated contracts that you have, again, with Drew coming off the books. Coots is due for a contract. You're going to give Coots a contract. You could potentially give uh, a, a team, hopefully a team friendly deal to Drew. It's a better chance now that you can re-sign him. Maybe that's something that you try and do this offseason, depending on how the chips may. I think that's low on the totem pole for sure. But if you can get one of those contracts done this offseason, I think that helps a lot of Chuck's uh, 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 just headaches for next season. Because that's not easy to deal with two star players all of a sudden are off your books. But the fact that they're forcing, you're forcing Seattle's hand in taking, I think either Jake Voracek or 
uh, JVR. I don't think he's there. there. I think Dave Haxtell is, is a, from what I remember is sour on, on, on ghost. I don't, I would be shocked if they took someone like ghost. I think they're going to look towards the forwards for this team. And I I think it's really just a coin flip between Jake and, and JVR here. And it, and that's perfectly fine in my book because you're losing a decent amount of cap. You're freeing up a decent amount of cap space in either, in either or situation, which is good. Here's here's another key too. One of the things I've been really reading lately is that uh, Ron Francis, uh, who is the GM for Seattle, is really big on analytics and the mm-hmm. metrics. So, uh, if you're looking at that, uh, I mean, they don't really have any good options looking at this team analytically. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, even though I, again, I'm not. I've always stated, I always will state, I see very, very little value in analytics. But who am I? I just I do a podcast. Um, but <laughs> at the same time, you know. Here's here's two here's two the two sides of the coin you know and this will probably lead into the other players that are becoming available that might be intriguing to um uh to Seattle and one of them actually kind of got breaking news on it um so if you're looking at this from an advanced metric standpoint Jake overall doesn't have the great metrics but he puts up a lot of points and Jake can still put up a lot of points even though that we complain about the way he plays a lot in this city uh overall you're still losing 55 60 points a year minimum. So that's a that's a lot of points to give up. JVR had probably a hot top career year as far as his points go, and he got off to a healthy start. Now JVR, yes, his highest goal total is thirty, and he doesn't put up any other more points than that as far as assists goes. But with JVR, JVR did one thing this year: he stayed healthy, and JVR staying healthy led him to have a really good season overall. So that's one thing that they could look at as well, saying, "Hey, you know." Uh, you know, JBR's got two years left on his deal. I believe um, Jake has three or four. You look at that money where they're both making, I think it's seven million for um, for JBR and it's eight and a quarter million for Jake. Do they really want to bring that on the books for the type of player that it's going to wind up being? Well, if I'm looking at it from a business standpoint, yes, I want to get asses in the seat. I know those two guys can put up a lot of points, but it also comes down to that if if Hackstall wants to have a player like Jake again before. Uh, where Jake had a lot of his good, have his prime years under Dave Haxtall. Like that, that's the, was the, uh, the prime point of his career. He had a lot of good years under him. Is that something that they're looking to bring on board? So at the end of the day, yes, there's a lot of players that are available, but the, the Flyers are really could open and say, hey, look, we're going to give you one of our better players. We feel internally we have a better option, or we can go out and we can make a move for some guys that are available, like Tarasenko, Goudreau. Some of these guys are unprotected because even that these players aren't claimed, you know other teams are looking at them and saying they unprotect them for the reason they've got to be available somehow. So they might be able to make some moves that way. And I think that's why you start seeing a little bit more of that player movement this year that I, you know, we've complained about in the past. The NHL doesn't do enough because teams are now trying to manage how to get better with a flat cap, and you got to be a lot more creative to do it. So if the Flyers can get Jake or JVR or Ghost off their books, it frees up a lot of money for them to make another move. And Seattle has an opportunity here to say, hey, look, we can have the Flyers have had two of their point, uh, leading point scorers from this past season available. You got to think that they ha- it has to be intriguing to that one of them has to be intriguing enough to be able to bring on board, even if their salaries are a little more than a team wants to pay coming out of the gate. I agree. Like, I, I think it's just one of those things where the points 
produced are more enticing than what the analytics analytics tell you about these two players like or three players if you want to count ghost in that conversation like i said i don't i i think it's a long shot that ghost is taken by seattle but they might like i i don't know what i I don't know how much power dave haxtall has because he's a second year second team this is his second team in the nhl obviously the flyers stint was his first ever nhl coaching career after being up in north dakota state for all those years uh, is a very abnormal he's a very abnormal coach in that sense because usually you don't see that happen you never see that happen really uh it's just one of those things where as soon as i saw this list come out i just said it's going to be either ghost or excuse me it's either going to be voracek or jvr and especially because if you look at the 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 enticing players on the other teams i think there's better defensemen throughout the other 30 teams that you the Flyers can or the that Seattle can grab that are better than Ghost. That's how that that's just how I saw it. Like I think there's just better players out there. I I agree with you and I think there's a lot of players out there too that have come up that are exposed that were quite surprising to me. I think the biggest one I was surprised about was Carey Price. Uh, believe it or not, yes. Carey Price. But there's actually some breaking news coming out of him in the last hour. Um, Carey Price is kind of being um, it probably will not be selected by Seattle, obviously because his contract is bloated and he's making ten million dollars. And he, let's be honest, he's he's he'll be thirty four years old. He's not really a thirty, uh, not really a ten million dollar goaltender anymore. Um, regardless, if he just carries his team to the final, but he might have some uh, hip injury, hip issues going on, and possibly mm. a knee a knee surgery that might be upcoming in the next week here. So um, that would that would scare a team up because I think that a guy because and they're already going to bring in Chris Dreiger from Florida who has played uh played like one A one B with Brovskis this year. Yep. So um, that that's going to be good. But there's a lot of good goaltenders out there as well. Uh, Jonathan Quick's available. And if I'm looking at a team like Seattle, where his contract, I believe, could be affordable for them, um, I'm looking at a team where I'm going to have a – because he, he quick's on the way downhill, and he's going down quick, uh, no pun intended. Uh, Cal <laughs> Peterson really outplayed him this year, and I think that the Kings are ready to move on. They've been trying to make some big moves. They're, trying, they're, in, the, they're in the talks for Eichel still. They feel they're still close enough where they make a big splash. They're back in contention again. Um, but with Jonathan Quick, he's got a reasonable cap hit of $5.8 million in the next two seasons. I don't want people to believe that this could be a similar situation where Seattle is going to be like Vegas and, and go to the final in the first year. I think that they're taking the longer approach with this, and I really don't blame them, which is why they hired a guy like Dave Haxtall, who is very big on development. So if you ask me, they're looking to go for a younger roster. If you can get a, a veteran like Jonathan Quick at $5.8 million and also have Chris Dreiger in here with them, that would be very, very solid for them. So I, 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 even though it's very enticing for Carey Price from the perspective of a big name like that, I don't think from a hockey standpoint it would actually benefit them as much. But like guys like P.K. Subban, like that could be your name that you want to bring in there, even though P.K. Subban is clearly on the decline on his career. Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne from, uh, from uh, Nashville we talked about, Flyers, JVR, and Jake Voracek. Um, <laughs> Ottawa exposed Matt Murray, which is no surprise whatsoever considering yeah. the garbage season he had. And even so, like there's, there's still like Tampa, like they exposed some of their better players, like Yanni Gore, Tyler Johnson would be a great fit in Seattle because he's been buried behind uh, Steve Stamkos for a long time. And he's very effective when he plays Andre Palat's another one and Alex Kalorn, like Alex Kalorn's available. I'm if I'm Seattle. I'm going for him. So um, there's a lot of there's a lot of big names out there, and even what's it called, Vladimir uh, Tarasenko. If they have an opportunity to get Tarasenko, 
Yes, Tarasenko is an interesting well. one because he, he obviously he Tarasenko's obviously been in trade rumors. We read the story. I think we talked about it last episode that he is he has listed the Flyers as one of the teams that he would waive his no trade clause to. Uh, it's just an interesting moment because I don't know how it works because maybe you know better than I do. He, he has a no trade clause, but he's exposed by the Blues to be drafted. So, so- if he's drafted. It works he, where you uh, the no movement clause works in that way. That's what Carey Price did. Carey Price is a no movement clause, but he allowed mm-hmm. to waive it for expansion. But if they did have a trade offer for Carey Price, he would still need to waive that clause before okay. they could complete the deal. Same thing with Tarasenko. So they do it to expose it because I think it's one of two things. Either the chance they know they're going to – the reason why Montreal did it with Carey Price is to protect Jake Allen because Jake Allen would have been a very, very suitable goaltender for them, and yep. they need him to be healthy because – uh, by having Jake Allen, a guy who started a lot of games in this league and played a lot of games in an 82 game season, you can do 40 and 40, basically 41. And you could split yeah. them, 50, especially with the these injuries that are just breaking with Carey Price. The fact Correct. that like it's a good it's a smart move by Montreal. They know yeah. that Carey Price is hurt. They know they can expose him at a, at a less risk because. If he has this surgery, that means he's he's a he's a flight risk in terms of mm-hmm. just saying you have the surgery and now what you're not going to be back until January of 2022 maybe maybe you're back by the uh, start of preseason you don't know because hip surgeries I'm sure you know can be it, it just they can be yeah, sca- yeah. that they can be unpredictable yep. so it's it was smart by Montreal I lean towards Vegas I mean and they've already announced I saw I think it was uh, Pierre LeBron said like. <laughs> there was already conversations between Seattle and Montreal and the NHL saying, listen, Seattle, if you take Carey Price, you can't then call Montreal and say, hey, give us four first round picks and we'll give you back your guy. Like that's already been disguised as as, as coercion or whatever you want to do, uh, collusion. Uh, Pierre Lebrun had a different term for it, but I don't remember what it was. But like that would be, I want the chaos. Like I, I always enjoy oh, yeah. chaos. Like if Seattle were to just say, F it. Carey Price is one of the best goalies in the NHL when he is has a clean uh, bill of health. I think he was clearly injured during the Stanley Cup final. That's probably why he didn't play as well as we saw uh, in, in series past. So, like, if Seattle looks at the medical records and says, it's worth the risk, let's pay this guy the $10 million he's owed a year on the cap hit, screw it. Let's screw Montreal for trying to play chess when we're checker, like trying to play chess against us. Yeah. But if you can't use them for three or four months, and right, that's, rehab the, and that's, stuff, the, that's not good for your first season, especially for a guy like that. And then coming out and being a slow start wouldn't meet expectations. You know, you're not, you're not looking at this as a guy right behind me on my wall, John Van Beesburg, who looked like he was clearly on the decline for his, in his career, a 30 year old being expanded in, in 1993 with the Panthers. And next thing you know, he carries a team to the Stanley Cup final three seasons later. And as the backbone of that team, I don't think Carey Price is at that point in his career. You think he's still valuable and I think he can still play for another couple seasons here. I think that cap hits too much, but overall, like the problem I see here for, Ve- for never Vegas for Seattle is that, there's a lot of big names out there, but not necessarily some of the rest. Like Jeff Skinner, like you're still having a guy where he's he's not 30 yet, and he's still not 30, but he's got six years left at nine million. You know, you can't pay that for a guy who's so hot and cold every single year. But if you get him with a guy like Max Domi, who's who's been exposed, or Jonathan Druin has been exposed, um, that might be something plausible to work with. So uh, you know, there's some there's going to be really interesting to see exactly what happens here over the next couple of days with this draft. I'm really excited to kind of see what the team they built. But you know, the analytics crew 
And then Dave Haxtell coming in, it seems like to me that they're going to target younger players. They're going to have a little bit of star power to start with and get a name or two in here. And I don't think you'll see as much flipping back and forth with, hey, trade us this to that, get, you know, take this guy and we'll give you a draft for a draft pick not to take this guy. See, I don't know. I, I go the other way. I think there's a chance that we see exactly what we saw with Vegas a couple years ago here, like in terms of these saying these teams calling up and saying, hey, if you don't take this guy and take this guy instead, we'll give you a second round pick, a third, first round pick, whatever it may be. I think that option is is more likely than not, honestly, because they're like we keep saying, there's some really big, good names out on this on this list that are I think teams just kind of were heavy handed and forced to just say we got to unprotect them because we're so high on X amount of other players in our system. So I think there's a real chance that not only do we see that, but yeah, I think Seattle is a playoff team day one, potentially, depending on what they do. I think there's a real shot. You depending can on what they do. It depends yeah. on what they go about. But like, I think there's enough good names that they could draft. And then they're going to be the second or third best team in the Pacific division that they're going to be stacked up against. Like, I don't think that's a way out of the, like the Kings are awful. Like you like there's a, some really good goalies that you can build from the inside out with starting with uh Dreiger or, or quick or, or even like Matt Murray or excuse me, not Matt Murray. Um, who Ben Bishop of the Dallas stars like that guy, Ben Bishop is a solid name that you could build yourself in out and uh, in and out with and just see where it goes. Not saying it's going to happen, but Seattle could be a playoff team day one, and I would not be shocked whatsoever. Yeah, ben Bishop's 35, though, and they have sure. Chris Dreiger. So, I mean, I, I think that they would need a veteran to go. I mean, Dreiger's not young. He's like 26, 27. He's not, the, he's not a super young guy. But, you know, it's kind of like a situation where they might even, you know, just take a goalie and then may try to make a trade for one later on. I mean, look. I think that the, without a no-brainer, unless Carolina is really going to find a way to, you know, really, hey, hey, trade a pick and pick this guy. <laughs> Excuse me. I think Nieder Niederreiter is a shoe-in to be a, on, on Seattle because that he's a overall has been a solid player in this league for a long time. You're right. There's some good names out there. I just don't know if there's going to be, considering that I think teams might have learned their lesson from uh from the last one because there were some good guys who were taken and like Jonathan yeah. Marchessault was a good young player from Florida and he got swiped for nothing. So I think the teams are really gonna try to do whatever they can to keep the best players. And if they're now you're seeing like, hey, look, our most expensive guys, some of our best players, we're gonna expose them, we're gonna dare you to take them. So like go ahead and take them. Like we if you're looking from an analytics quarter point of view, some of the players on here aren't really gonna fit the mold. The teams really have the core of players they won't really want to keep there. So um It'll, it, I, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be really exciting to see. I'm just, you know, hoping that, you know, one of the big names come off the books for the Flyers. It would suck to see them, any of them go. Um, you know, you, regardless, Ghost, Ghost had some memories, especially that rookie season. You know, Jake's done a lot of good things here, despite him being exposed. And, and JVR, you know, led the team in scoring this year. We're, we're tied for it anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, don't the, forget, like, Phil Myers had memorable goals. Like, he had the game winner goal in game two i believe uh, against the islanders in the bubble and he had the overtime winner i believe it was the overtime winner like yeah it was an th- overtime winner yeah so like phil myers and, and and nolan patrick despite all the controversy like he put up some and the minus 30 like missing his rookie season was was the a lot of half fun- of it the yeah. second half of his rookie season was good but so it, it's one of those things where you just gotta realize you gotta have trust in your own system and now it's interesting because 
Chuck hasn't done a lot in terms of the farm system. He's inheriting. He inherited a lot of this stuff from the previous uh, regime in 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 Ron Hextall. And that's fine because I I think Ron Hextall did a pretty good job in terms of the drafting prospects. Now, it's interesting to see how they've plateaued or regressed, as Chuck Fletcher said. But for the most part, I think Chuck has a lot of confidence in this team to be able to do these moves and expose players like JVR and Voracek to say, if we lose them, it's going to suck, but I think we can make up those points somewhere. Agreed. hundred percent agree with you. And I, I, as, as you're talking to, I'm scanning through the list and it just, man, like there's not, it's not like years ago where you take the bottom feeders and throw them all out there. There's, but there's not a, there's some names in the like Alexander Wenberg for Florida. Like Fenberg had a really good season a couple years ago and just tailed off, but had a solid season this year. I could be another addition there. So, Hey, look, as I'm looking through this list too, you look at it and you're kind of like, man, like I think that might work here with the Flyers, that sort of thing. Like maybe if you, I look at it this way, if there's a, if there's a team that's exposing a player for a specific reason, he's got to be somewhat available. So you, yeah, you, you try to poach him if you can. Like a guy like Venberg, like well, that's why Voracek's exposed. Like yeah, we read the story. The, the, oh, we know, the, yeah, we and, and both exposed. sides have talked about that actually. Both yes. sides know, like Jake it's, is open to be traded. He, he I don't he think knows it's, a, it's getting to a point. Yeah, I don't think it's even just an open. Like I think I don't think Voracek's on in the orange and black next year. Whether uh, I it's don't in agree. Seattle, and we I talked think, about I think this he's last done. season. I agree. Yeah. I, this is the this is the season to trade him simply because of that money. So like. It might be like a post like uh, New Year team or, or post where they the Flyers pay out the bonus then trade him out because his cap hits low this year. So if you look at Jake, uh, I believe yeah, well, his cap hits eight and a quarter million. He's got uh, I believe a bunch of that based on bonuses. I let me check here. So I think his contract here. Let me see. Seven at 2021. It was base salaries to okay. So no but no signing bonus this year. So nothing due that day. Just his cap hit. Next year, he's got mm-hmm. a five million dollar signing bonus and a 1.25 million dollar um uh what's it called? Uh, salary. So uh, there's no major bonus to get out. So if that's the case, this this would be the year to trade him because there's no money due up front, basically. No yeah, down payment. And, yeah, and I, I like I keep saying, and I said earlier, uh, like they're building for next offseason like chuck is playing this right in building for yeah, next offseason because again you can build a playoff team for this this year possibly fall into a, get hot like montreal did and see where the cards fall that's fine but you also got to build for what's happening next offseason with B- voracek and Giroux, or excuse me couturier and Giroux coming uh, as unrestricted free agents next year and you just see what you can get out of them because realistically you just flip them hopefully you get a team-friendly deal with Giroux and you give the 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 big money to to Voracek that's not necessarily going to be the like like Jimmy Rollins said a couple years ago uh when he was a free agent there's no home discount for the Philadelphia Phillies there's no home discount necessarily for Giroux and the Philadelphia Flyers like you still might have to pay Giroux seven six even eight million dollars depending on what he's him and his agent are discussing now is that fair value probably not depending on where drew is after the next season and where he sits as he's in his mid-30s at that point and it might be over like if, if it gets to that point drew's not going to be in the orange and black black i don't think there's no emotional connection between drew and chuck fletcher and chuck fletcher is going to make that decision without any emotional attachment to it and good on him because it's going to hurt you and I and all the other Flyers fans when Voracek, or excuse me, keep saying Voracek, when Giroux is playing in like Columbus or Nashville or or Ottawa, like whatever he, wherever he goes, it's going to hurt. Look, at the end of the day, you traded Lindros, 
You bought out Danny Briere. You bought yeah. out Brizgalov. Every time a player, when it's time, it's time. That's how it works. And I'll say this too. Speaking of that, uh, I don't think the Gabe Landeskog is going back to Colorado. Did you hear about that news? I missed. I I vaguely saw. I, I headline read. Uh, it's been a crazy. It, wait, so what's going he's, on with this? He with a hometown discount, as it was put. He's looking for nine ten million dollars a year. That's a hometown discount. That was with hometown discount. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. All right. Like, yeah. listen, Landis Gog is a good guy. He's a good, a good player. I mean, I mean, he's the cat. He's the youngest captain ever. I think in NHL history or at least Colorado history. Like, fine. We know you're a good player and you're kind of a dirty player at that in some instances. But nine to ten million dollars. Believe that. Scratch out. We're talking there. Crosby. Yeah, you're talking top player in the league. With all due respect, he's not there. Like he's not. He's not McDavid. He's not Crosby. He's not Kane. He's not. <laughs> he's not like some of these guys. He's not Drew. Like and he's a good player, but Nathan McKinnon is leaps and bounds beyond Gabe Landis. Yeah, I was so, like McKinnon is the guy. McKinnon, that I McKinnon's wouldn't... the top one of the elite players in the league. So I just don't understand it what this camp is doing. Uh, but that I couldn't believe that when I read that. But a hometown discount was. Well, is he? Is he? I, is he a free agent this season or yes, next? He's season? a free agent now. So okay, that's interesting because so normally he's, he's normally exposed. He's yeah, exposed, but the, the, I don't think Seattle will take him because then they got to income, and then he still can right. go wherever he wants. Yeah, and, like that. That's interesting because like you normally like normally I would say like oh the nine to ten million dollars is the year prior to the player getting out of that contract. Like if like if Drew's camp said that they wanted nine to ten million dollars, you would hear it right now in this summer, not next summer when he's a free agent. But like, and then you just look at it as oh, it's just a starting point. And they'll come down. And they'll settle at like eight million or whatever, maybe, and maybe they still will. You don't know that, but like to start publicly, not just like with the team, but internally, but uh, but also. It's reported now, as you said, like nine to ten million dollars. Come on, like I, you can't get, and that's a that's scratch him off the list if that's exactly what he wants. Like get out of here. Then Chuck, Chuck has learned his lesson being pressured up in Minnesota, as you were talking about with those crazy deals. Like he's not going to fall for that crap. Like it's not, it's not going to happen. I, I have trust in in Chuck to do something that's not that's crazy. That's crazy, but it's a controlled chaos kind of situation. Yeah. Hundred percent. Let the Rangers go sign them. It's not like they yeah, exactly. Tied up in bad, get bad contracts. Yeah, <laughs> they go go do that. But other than that, I, I when they realize that your boy Lafreniere is out, uh, is not, a, is skates through mud and has to oh, be, uh, they have to replace him. Then they can go sign sign Landis uh, Landis Gog. Yeah, absurd. Yeah, and, <laughs> you know, and I, I guarantee the Rangers will make a push because they're they're a team like that, or they'll give up a guy like Mika Zibanejad for a twenty nine year old power forward who. You know, probably needs a good center to play with anyway. No disrespect to Gabe Landeskog, but you need a solid center to play with him, and you don't have that in New York. So why would you go out and get a guy like that? But I'm, I'm telling you, that just seems like to me. I feel like it's New York Rangers all over it. Yeah. Go ahead, yeah. have fun. Screw up your roster even further. You're stuck <laughs> with Panera. You're stuck with Jake Truba. You're stuck with uh, Lafreniere or whatever the hell. But you probably went up trading him in a couple years, like the Flyers did with Nolan Patrick, because he can't skate. So yeah. Yep. Well, uh, Wednesday night. Uh, the 21st this Wednesday, 8 o'clock is the expansion draft. I believe they're just going in alphabetical order by city. I don't know that for sure. There's no real rhyme or re- – like it's not a regular entry draft where it's valued at the, by record or anything like that. 
So I think the Flyers will probably be in the middle 930. Like, I don't know how fast this is going to move. It's uh, like, what's the time limit? I don't even know. Do they have a no five minutes? Yeah. No idea. See, I'm treating like I'm excited, more excited for the expansion draft than the entry draft, obviously, because the, oh, yeah. the, the expansion draft has way more impact on all 32 teams. But like the uh, you still don't really look that much into yeah. it you're just like when are the flyers going to be have their guy taken that's all you got to do all the that's- nhl entry draft is is like a pierre uh what's it called pierre mcguire oh my god i love this player it's from cam loops and whatever and his dad did this and he was an oak farmer and you have to understand the background of this guy he's like worse than mel freaking kuiper so thank god he's <laughs> going to ottawa and he's staying there with the Ottawa setters congrats on the new gig because you're not going to be a broadcaster anymore but my god like Pierre LeBron is like Mel Kuyper and Chris Wheeler had a baby and they turn it into a hockey fan. That's exactly how it worked out. And, and it's actually, but you know why you should also be excited for the expansion draft. It's the first time we get some ESPN coverage of the NHL in in more than a decade. It's on ESPN two at eight o'clock. So I'm curious what, who's like, I know, was it, I know Keith Jones is a part of the ESPN. No, Keith Jones is part of TNT. Brian Boucher is part of the uh, ESPN crew. So I think we'll get a lot of him. Uh, so I'm curious how they, Kate, if, if, if they do it similar to, like if we get that little chime that you get at the NFL draft, I'll be very excited. Yeah, I think that, I hope they have something like that. I, I really am curious how ESPN d- does this, uh, just to give us a little taste of how they're going to be catering us with their NHL coverage. It's an exciting time. It's the first time. Did you even bother watching the, tw- I think it was like 10 or 12 minute thank you from NBC Sports. I think it was narrated by Doc. You can tell I really watched it. I like it, it, it's just one of those things where I'm like I don't need to it was the the, the e, did you see the report that the European final uh between Italy and England a couple weeks ago, I think it was on Sunday the 11th, the that had more uh viewership than the NBA finals and the NHL final. Uh, at 9.6 million people. Good Lord. Like, Good it, Lord. like I have said this. I have said this on this podcast, at least episode from episode one. Just go back and listen. I have said if the NHL does not get its shit together, it is going to lose to the MLS and soccer. And it's already being proven. And I'm a soccer yeah. fan. I love soccer. I was watching USA versus Canada in the Gold Cup before we hopped on here. Like it's I love soccer. I love hockey more and I need hockey to get its crap together. And that's what uh, I'm hoping with ESPN and Turner sports It's probably would. And yes, I watched, I watched game five of the final. I watched the, I, every year I watched the cup being where I just something. It's just no matter who's playing, no matter if I despise the teams that are playing or whatnot, I always watch the, 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 the cup be awarded and skate around and sure. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'll say this. It, Look, ESP, I'm not, NBC did a lot of good things bringing at the, the league back out from the original lockout in 05 and, and, and giving them good coverage and going from Outdoor Life Network to Versus to NBC Sports and all that nonsense it did over the years and, and, and put it on CNBC and USA or whatever. Um, I'll say this at the end of the day. It, they, that crew, you could just tell everybody was very like sad at the end. Like, you know, like Catherine Tappen started crying on air. Yeah. Everybody was thanking everybody and people in the background and stuff of like that. And I get it. It's the last game ever, but they literally like after the cup was awarded and one or two players skated around, they cut coverage. That was it. Like, yeah. and then you went to a special program to watch and it was seriously just showing 
people with the cup. And at the same time, it's only just the people thanking everybody uh, for the, the 15 years of memories. I'm like, you know, that's the thing. Like you, you could have just covered the cup final and just, I get it why you do it on air and it's professional and all that stuff. It's perfectly fine. These people who work there and, and all that stuff have really become bonded over the years. Of course, all that stuff, but it just, I, it was a little embarrassing to say, okay, you're, you're trying to make the coverage better. And this is the exact reason why you didn't do it because you, yes. as soon as the cup was awarded, you flipped to another program. Oh, you had to get onto your, to your, uh, your, your Texas bull riding or whatever that frig was on TV afterwards. Yeah. It's, 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 it's stupid. I already got into our, we have to watch people, you know, do F1 racing and, and Monaco or whatever. And it's like 1130. Like nobody's watching that. Like yep. just keep the coverage on instead of having somebody have flip over to another station to, to watch the coverage. It, it didn't make any sense to me, but, and then the whole time they just spent each other thanking each other and then going to commercial. And that was it. There was really nothing. It was really nothing else besides just, showing people the cup not explaining who was or anything like that it was just the coverage wasn't quite there and i said all of that nonsense and rambled on there because it, it, it's to a point where espn if you bring that stuff back you might get people interested in that who some of these players are bring some of the player recognition go back and show highlights of different things of when these teams won the stanley cup and the memorable things like that like you can add a lot more things and i think this with ESPN because it all oh, it is a sports and they just are so much more in touch with sports rather than NBC, which is too suit and tie. Yep. And I think that this will be a good thing in the 21st century for hockey to come back from. And with it being a proven product now, um, proven in a sense where ESPN went out and got it. It's not like, you know, NBC said, no, ESPN went out and got it. I think they have an opportunity here where they know they can product market it better and do better job with it. And now, they, they have all four major sports in their corner, so that's a good thing. So yep. um, if ESPN wants to put their coins in the WWE and with soccer, let them. Yeah, and they already started doing that. Like they have, a, they have their stake in just about every sport from football all the way down to, to cricket. I think, I think I've seen cricket yeah. on ESPN at this God, point. My father-in-law watches all the time. Oh, my I God. Just, <laughs> uh, every time but, I say, hey, I was like, you know what I'm watching right now? I'm like, what are you watching, Pop? I'm watching cricket. All right. That's great, Pop. Yeah, great. Yeah. I have no understanding how cricket works. Neither do I. Nothing for I'm me. still trying to learn F1 terms, and I still – that's enough for me. Like, I, I couldn't – I can't learn it. try to get me into that. Like, I know, I like, for Stappen, I'm like, okay. To me, F1's not hard. It's you driving a circle or driving a track. Yeah. And you come in first place. It's not that hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's apparently a lot of strategy to it. And it's actually honestly very fascinating. We'll get into it. Maybe we'll come an F1 podcast as soon as the Flyers fold and we realize that they suck. But anyway, Wednesday night expansion draft. Let's see who the Flyers have taken off their Orange board. Full gas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Orange <and> full gas. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Tune in every Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday night is the expansion draft. See if the Flyers are going to be losing JVR or Vorchek or someone else in Ghost. Maybe someone else. Who knows? It's all, it's all a mystery, and that's what's great about this week. It's offseason. It's the meat of the offseason. Get excited. The free agency starts this week. Entry-level draft starts this week. So we will be back on next Sunday. Monday we'll release the podcast the 25th. Uh, can't wait to hear from you guys. If you have a prediction on what's going to happen, shoot us an email, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Orange and Backcheck, you know where to find us. We'll talk to you guys next week. Nothing? Are you waiting for me to say something? Yeah, I was. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Soccer sucks. <laughs> Very confused.